Super Talk Mississippi media production. You're listening to Sports Talk Mississippi On Demand, presented by Pearl River Resort. Escape to Choctaw, Mississippi and enjoy world-class gaming, the Dancing Rabbit Golf Club, and Geyser Falls Water Park. Escape to Pearl River Resort. To the junction, in the grove, and to the top. This, this is Sports Talk Mississippi. On your radio and in the game. Right here on Super Talk Mississippi. Good Friday afternoon. Welcome to Sports Talk Mississippi, streaming at supertalk.fm and supertalk TV. Thanks for being with us in the Pearl River Resort studio on the day after Thanksgiving, Black Friday, also the day after the Egg Bowl. Alongside Brian Haydad and Michael Borky, I'm Richard Cross. We'd love to hear from you on the C Spire text line, 601-879-4395. Check them out online at cspire.com. C Spire, customer inspired. One of the really cool things about this day after Thanksgiving is we get a full menu of college football. There's tons of it that's going on right now. Big games, too, that are happening, and we'll keep you up to date with those throughout the course of the afternoon. We're also going to keep you up to date with a a coaching search that appears to be nearing its end or potentially is nearing its end as it pertains to uh, Mississippi State and what uh, looks like a courtship of Jeff Levy, the offensive coordinator currently at Oklahoma, whose team just hung 69 on TCU in a 69-45 win over the uh, the Horned Frogs to uh, finish off their regular season 10-2 and with a 7-2 and record over uh, uh, in the Big 12. This guy. Nobody? This guy. To... to to the opportunity placed, you put a beach ball on a tee for him to hit, and just for hey Dad? Yeah, I, I mean, I thought I'd get something there, but uh, anyway, maybe it's not nice. Maybe it's nice enough. <laughs> Uh, but all of that coming later because we've got an egg ball oh, to talk God. about. Oh, sorry, sorry, sorry. I got a cramp. Hold on, hold on. One second, one second. Okay, I'm all right. Let's go. That's the best you could do. That's all I, mean, I got. You, you, you know, you I, I, I sit back and let you impersonate Ric Flair and never give you a hard time about it. I let you do your thing, and the first thing you, you can do let? is complain. Let. Um, you did know, you, did and, you say let. And, and, yeah, did, I mean, did, I just said that. You, you say let? Not like, like gave you permission like, to do it. I just let you yeah, have Yeah, that's your what fun. I'm getting at. Like, like you're the boss of me? Ah, uh, bitter hate ad. That's what we're getting right out of the gate on this Friday afternoon uh, because his team finished in second place last night behind uh, the other team uh, that scored more Silver medal. That was Ole Miss, 17-7, to the final. Uh, for all of the conversation that we had about uh, you know, hey, Dad, begging for more points. Congratulations, by the way. You you won the bet, bet because you were uh, plus the points. So I guess we're all square on steak dinners now. Back to uh, zero zero, huh? We we have we have to come up with better things to bet because when are we ever in the place to eat dinner together? It, and it just never happens. We got to find new things to bet. Yeah, I, you're probably right. 
You want to just do cold, yeah. hard cache going forward? Cache. Something cache. like that. That might be it. Yeah. Uh, that might be it. Yeah, we'll just keep a, uh, a Benjamin in an envelope that gets passed back and forth. You never actually get to spend it. You just use it to pay it off, or uh, you receive like it on an, ongoing, on an ongoing basis. It's like the egg uh, ball trophy. You just have that. I have the envelope now. You have the envelope now. That's how it works. You, you are allowed to uh, hold it for the uh, for the next year. Um, yeah. The point that I was going to make, though, d- despite all the conversation about Mississippi State and whether or not they were a, 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 an underdog, too big of an underdog, not a big enough underdog, what was going to – we got to kick off last night, and Davis Wade Stadium was packed to the gills. It was electric. Uh, you had Greg Knox doing the four-wheeler thing. That was uh, – it. Would, look, that was something that the Mississippi State fans responded to, and it was electric at kickoff. I'm not sure the execution was as good as it should have been. He should have driven the four-wheeler through the band to the 50-yard line, and if somebody said, no, you're going to put tracks on the field, well, that somebody should have changed the four-wheeler tires out to turf tires so he could drive it in the middle of the field. That was almost great execution that turned into a fail. So, uh, anyway, I just, said that they should, that, have go- they should have buzzed the tower. He should have ridden that thing and then rode around to the Ole Miss sideline, gave, gave Kiffin a little what for on the way by. But We oh did well. learn on the television broadcast last night that maybe none of those things were actually possible because last night was the second time in the history of Greg Knox <laughs> that he had actually ridden a four-wheeler, and so maybe safety was the, yeah. uh, the bigger uh, concern. First half last night was just a big old pile of steam and poo. I mean, it was gross. A whole bunch of points, uh, punts, not points, uh, the the opposite yeah. of points three to nothing at the half would have been three to three at the half if not for a uh, a miss by uh, Kyle Ferry who's been very very good this season uh, he was actually zero for two kicking field goals last night the one before halftime was a chip shot that he should have made at uh, chip shot what was it forty two yards but forty two yards made should have made. And, and then the 50-yarder just, uh, I mean, he just, he hit it as pure as he could possibly hit it, and it just didn't have enough steam. Yeah. I mean, another foot, and that ball is over the uh, the crossbar, but instead it was a big old doink. And um, the, the thing that stood out to me last night is that Ole Miss won a game that has traditionally looked like the style of football that Mississippi State plays. They grounded out on the ground. They rode a hot running back, the offensive line for all of its struggles in pass protection turned into road graders in the second half, and uh, Ole Miss controlled the clock, and they played good defense in the game, some of that because of Mississippi State's offensive ability or lack thereof, and uh, Ole Miss ultimately comes out with a win, and they finished 10-2, and two, 10 wins in the regular season for the second time in school history, also the second time in three years, all under Lane Kiffin. That is kind of their identity, though, right? I mean, I, I don't think anybody should be surprised at this point that Ole Miss played their best football in the second half of a game that was close that they were down in that second half, too. I mean, that is what they do. They've been down, what is it, seven second halves this year they've been losing, and they are 5-2. and two. Yeah. Losses, obviously, That's to Alabama and Georgia. Uh, wins over Tulane, Auburn, Arkansas, a and LSU. LSU, Mississippi State, right? Did I do that right? Either way, well, they're 5-2. They never, never trailed in the second half last night. Yes, they did. Yes, they did. Wait, that's right. State went ahead. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm sorry. I forgot that State went ahead there briefly for the uh, the seven. Don't to three. try to ruin my stats, Richard. No, but... no, well, no. I was 
This guy. Unbelievable. <laughs> I thought we named six games there. That's yeah, whatever. But still, that, I mean, that's uh, their identity for for whatever reason. This team. I think a lot of it. I mean, of course, it's because they're well coached, especially defensively. I mean, any but after the Georgia game, you still had people that were like, "Oh, Pete Golding's not that good." You're you're a fool. Uh, an exceptional coaching job this year. He he squeezed every ounce of juice out of that orange on that side of the ball this year, considering some personnel limitations there. But I think it speaks to quarterback play, like we've talked about all the time. I know he didn't have a good game last night, but there's more to being a quarterback of a team than just throwing a football, right? The the emotional uh, gravitas that Jackson Dart has on that team and and the way he handles himself and, and plays late in these games rallies a team around him, and so that's why they're so successful late. That has been their brand this year, and again last night, that was just who they are. Close game, things aren't going particularly well. Second half, you're down, and then execute, 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 get stops, ball game. Almost tackled very well last night also uh, for, for really most of the game. You, you look at the running game for Mississippi State, Woody Marks had 39 yards, including a 17-yard run, kind of got loose one time. Uh, Kevon Lee had a 13-yard run. Uh, that was three carries for a total of 15 yards. There was an 11-yard run for Xavion Thomas. And then in the passing game for Mississippi State, the uh, the biggest pass play was a 26-yard completion to Xavion Thomas as well. But Ole Miss did not allow that 13-yard run to turn into a 37-yard run. They didn't allow the 26-yard the pass to turn into a 76-yard touchdown. They tackled well. In, uh, in the open field, they were in the right place. And that's one of the things, I mean, to your point about, uh, about Pete Golding, while there are some physical limitations on the defensive side of the ball for Ole Miss, they have been, when you say well-coached a second ago, I, th- I think the thing that you would point to, almost all year long, and, and they're they're busts, right? Defenses are going to have busts. But they've been in the right place to make plays. It's just, do they have the physical ability based on the opponent to uh, to make the plays? And they did that last night, uh, with the exception of the one touchdown that they uh, they gave up to uh, to Mississippi State in the ball game. We will uh, we'll completely unpack this game from uh, from last night. What what does it mean for Ole Miss? What does it mean for the future of uh, of Jackson Dart and Quinshawn Judkins and Caden Priestcorn? What about the play calling in crunch time? Because largely. It felt like Ole Miss went with a fairly conservative game plan last night. Was it conservative, or was that Mississippi State's defense? How good was Mississippi State's defense last night? Was Ole Miss's offense bad, or was it Mississippi State's defense? And then what about when they had to make a play, kind of digging into the basket and finding something that was a little more creative? Sports Talk Mississippi just getting started with you on this Friday afternoon, the day after the Egg Bowl. We'll also check the college football scoreboard when we come back in the Pearl River Resort studio on this Friday. Sports talk in the state. It's the best thing. Say that again. We the best on three. One, two, three. We the best. Sports talk Mississippi. Super talk Mississippi. Mississippi. <laughs> 
Big college football Friday. Got a big high school football Friday coming up this evening as well. Scores from earlier today. Oklahoma over TCU, 69-45. OU finishes the regular nice. season 10-2. and Iowa, 13-10 over Nebraska. Nebraska is not bowl eligible. Iowa, meanwhile, goes 10-2. and and am I correct, boys? That means Iowa is headed to the Big Ten championship game? Is that yes. accurate? Mm-hmm. Absolutely correct. Wow. Miami finishes 7-5 and five with a 45-20 win over Boston College. Memphis gets to 9-3 and three with a 45-21 win over Temple. Toledo beat Central Michigan. Ohio beat Akron. Games that are going on. Right now, Utah State with a 14-7 lead over New Mexico. Boise State leading 3-0 over Air Force. No score between Arkansas and Missouri. Check that. Touchdown, M-I-Z-Z-O-U. So Missouri strikes first in Fayetteville. Uh, Cody Schrader uh, Schrader with a two, three-yard plunge into the end zone. And a game that started about as poorly as it could possibly start for UTSA. Frank Harris throws an interception on the opening drive. uh, Tulane cashes it in for a touchdown just a couple of plays later. He throws another interception around midfield on the next drive, but then uh, they get a hit on the quarterback. Michael Pratt fumbles. It's returned down to about the 30-yard line, and UTSA scores. So that's 7-7. The winner of that game will go to the American Athletic Conference Championship game next weekend. If Tulane wins that game, they will host the AAC title game. Richard Cross, Michael Borky, Brian Haydad, glad to be with you on this Friday afternoon. We're talking Egg Bowl, the aftermath of last night's win. Uh, Quickly, let's just kind of go through some of the numbers and the way that uh, it unfolded last night. Scoring summary, uh, Caden Costa, who we had not really seen all season long, came on to try the first field goal for Ole Miss, and he kicked it through the uprights from 36 yards out, gave Ole Miss a 3-0 lead with 8.23 to go in the second quarter. That was Ole Miss's fourth offensive possession of the game. They had punted on their first three, and uh, that was the deepest that Ole Miss had gone into a football game all season long without scoring points. So 3 to nothing. Mississippi State misses a 42-yard field goal late in the first half that would have made it 3-3 going into the locker room. Bulldogs struck first in the third quarter, a one-yard rushing touchdown from Will Rogers put the Bulldogs in front 7-3. Ole Miss answered on its next possession, a 10-play, 75-yard drive capped off by a two-yard run from Quinshawn Judkins. Ole Miss at that point led 10-7. They would not relinquish the lead with 13-26 to go in the fourth quarter. Ole Miss finished off a 10-play, 71-yard drive with uh, it lasted four minutes and 26 seconds, they went up 17 to seven, and that would be the margin. But it was that last drive, that last scoring drive for Ole Miss guys that, that stood out to me because I thought that's where, really, for the first time, Lane Kiffin kind of dug into the the playbook. They went for it on fourth down and what a yard, yard and a half. I had to call a timeout before that play. It was right around midfield. And it was a direct snap to J.J. Pegues. Got a good push up front. And then a really good fake to a wide open Caden Priestcorn who took it into the end zone uh, from 26 yards out for a touchdown. That turned out to be the difference in the ballgame. Yeah. And so that was, I mean, there was a lot of wonders, you know, what the heck's going on with the offense. First, though, I think uh, Nathaniel Watson was. Mm. 
this there's a little hyperbole in here, but not much. He almost single-handedly kept Ole Miss off the scoreboard for the entire first half of the football game. He was unbelievable. I mean, he's good, an objectively great player, honestly. But he was a man possessed last night. And, I mean, you you see a play here where he blew up a running back. But that, in part, kept Ole Miss off the scoreboard in the first half. Without his play, put an average linebacker in his spot. And the score, I think, is different at halftime. That's how impactful he was. Consecutive games where he has had 21 tackles. That's 42 tackles in the last two games of the regular season for Nathaniel Buki Watson. Yeah, he's not going to be a top-five pick or anything, but statistically he's the best linebacker in the country. And there's just no getting around that. Leads the the conference in tackles and sacks. Uh, Just just had a a monster, monster year to to end a great career at Mississippi State. I don't think I'm overstating this when I tell you that there are 130 teams in the country that would like to have him playing linebacker for them. Yeah, I don't. I don't think yeah. that's overstating. No, there's one particular NFL team that I really want him playing linebacker for next year. <laughs> so <laughs> I mentioned it to him. I mentioned it to him last Did night. You? <laughs> I, was, I, was, I was like, "Good luck, man. Hope you end up in New Orleans." And man, him next Did to Mario when you said that. <laughs> he laughed. Unfortunately, I don't know how he felt about that. So. <laughs> Uh, he was Uh-oh. great, but th- oh, guys, KJ Jefferson just went down. Ball came out. I think the play was down, but he immediately grabbed his left knee oh, no. and is just like rolling around and writhing in pain oh. all the field in uh, in Fayetteville. Oh, Mississippi native from uh, Sardis, Mississippi, Ooh. North Panola High School, and uh, that does not look good for yeah, KJ Jefferson. Yeah, it's a bad looking play. God, poor mm. kid, and just. Not He's been running for his life the entire season. Yep. Just really, really has. That's a shame. All right. But the, so people were talking about the conservatism of Ole Miss's offense last night. And, and frankly, from from Moral my point Gallo of view, at six. I know, right? Uh, they were uh, conserv- They were Matt Walsh conservative last night. No, uh, but but they were to some degree. And, and people were people were doing two things, wondering why. And also, you did have the, well, if Dart is this hurt, then might as well play Spencer Sanders. Um, it is, I imagine, hard to call offense with offensive linemen that you never at any point expected this season to play at all, and you are having to start them against your rival on the road. Yeah, that looks really bad. God bless them. Um, yeah, I just watched so, that replay, too. I mean, I mean, they're missing their tackles, and Jackson Dart is... Uh, I mean, fifty percent. I mean, there, there's no way he was anywhere close to being to, to his full effectiveness. So it looked like, or at least it felt like to me, that they were willing to don't screw up, don't turn the football over, protect the ball, run it. You're gonna get stops. Kind of like ease their way into the game. It felt like they took basically no risks last night. Dart threw in a double coverage once. Uh, it was a bad decision there. Ball, you know, thankfully for him, hit the field. But it felt like they didn't try to just go nuts. It felt like they thought that just protect the football and they'll get out of there with a win. Run it, protect it, you'll win the game. And they were ultimately right if that was the philosophy. I think Kiffin knew pretty early on that 14 points was probably going to be enough. That He knew that he didn't have to, to take a whole lot of risk against this Mississippi State offense. I, I agree with that. Uh, 
And I think they knew that it was going to be hard to run the football, but Ole Miss committed to running the football. 49 rush attempts in the ball game, and they averaged 4.3. I mean, that's kind of the definition of grind it out. It's not one of those nights where you've got some gaudy rushing number where you're averaging seven or eight yards a carry. Quinshawn Judkins carried it 28 times for 119 yards and a touchdown and averaged 4.2 yards per carry. If you're watching on Super Talk TV, you're seeing the highlights from the game last night. I thought the run with about 12 minutes to go in the uh, in the second quarter was one of the most impressive runs that Quinshawn Judkins has had in his career. And it was at a point where Ole Miss was really not doing much of anything offensively. He hit the hole hard, split a couple of defensive linemen, kind of turned sideways, and it was like he tried to get skinny got past a linebacker, got into the second level, and then dragged guys for about the last four yards. And it was a 20-yard run. It was like, good grief. That was a grown man run. And he ran angry last night. And the thing about Quinshawn Judkins, I don't know how publicly this has been talked about, but I know privately people have talked about it a lot, and message boards have talked about it, and friend groups have talked about it. And the, the question is, is it worth it to pay Quinshawn Judkins whatever you've got to pay him to have him on your roster again next year? Um, there is a thought that him coming back for his junior season at Ole Miss will take somewhere in the, the, the low seven-figure range. Like the first number will be a one and there will be two commas in it. And when you think about that amount of money, you're like, well, couldn't you go get a couple of high-level offensive linemen and a rush end maybe and make your football team better overall? And, I mean, it's a full-on business decision that you've got to make there. But I think you saw from Quinshawn Judkins last night why you probably have to pony up and get him back in an Ole Miss uniform for a, uh, for a third year because there certainly are going to be other teams that are willing to give him whatever he wants or needs in the NIL space that would love to have him on their roster. And teams that are, even though it's going to be a divisionless league next year, teams that are currently in the division would be more than willing to pay whatever it takes to get him. Here's the thing I think you got to get from Quinshawn Judkins. You, you have to have him perform the way he did in the second half of the season in six of your eight SEC games, and probably two of your four non-conference games. That, that's what you got to have from him. Because that version of Quinshawn Judkins last night is an absolute beast as he went over 1,000 yards for the second consecutive. Sports Talk Mississippi on the Super Talk app, your local Super Talk station, and at supertalk.fm. Welcome back. Sports Talk Mississippi streaming at supertalk.fm and Supertalk TV. Thanks for being with us. You want to be a part of the conversation, you can join us on the C Spire text line, 601-879-4395. That's 601-879-4395. We're going to continue throughout the show this afternoon to talk about last night's Egg Bowl with Ole Miss winning 17-7 to 
over Mississippi State. But we're going to pause that conversation right now to talk some high school football as we get ready for uh, north half and south half playoff games tonight across the state of Mississippi. You know the Mississippi Farm Bureau scoreboard show is there for you tonight, and uh, they will be. Uh, this evening, uh, starting at uh, 10 o'clock with uh, scores from all over the state of Mississippi. Keith joins us from our uh, our scoreboard team. And, Keith, let's just jump right in and start with some tremendous matchups that we've got all across the state tonight. Uh, first up in, in 7A in the north half, Starkville, who has been a, a little bit of a Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde team at times this year, has put it together. They beat Oxford last week. And uh, you had Madison Central winning over Tupelo to set up a big matchup between Starkville and Madison Central tonight in Starkville. What a game that should be. Oh, yeah, and uh, it's great to be with you, Richard. Uh, look, I would say Starkville's probably like the stock market, a little up and a little down. They're the defending champion, but at times this year they've, they've just not had it, but they've, they've kind of found themselves here in the playoffs here recently. A real, uh, you know, a dominant effort last week uh, over Oxford. They had a... First round, uh, cakewalk really over South Haven. They faced the Madison Central team that's defensively gotten better. Uh, they had, to, you know, a close, uh, game with Tupelo in the regular season, lost that game, but they felt confident going on the road with their defense. And that was the, the difference with a, a Tupelo team that I think a lot of people thought were going to come out of the North to so Madison and Starkville at the rematch of the championship uh, game that was two years ago when Madison was able to get through Starkville. And won the championship down at S, uh, at USM, so uh, it'd be an uh, interesting matchup. And then in the South, another heavyweight matchup with the Brandon Bulldogs have been on fire uh, since they lost the first two games of the season uh, to Madison and Picayune. They've been on fire. They play Oak Grove, which would be a fabulous game. You have Austin Maddox coming in playing some great football. Oak Grove with a dominant win over Brittany last week, forty-five to nothing, seemingly like hitting their stride. Uh, that should be. We got two heavyweight matchups in 7A. It's going to be great to see who's that first 7A champion next week in Oxford as we uh, move closer to the championship games. Championship games happening at Vaughn Hemingway Stadium. Man, can, uh, that atmosphere tonight at Brandon with Oak Grove rolling in will be absolutely incredible on what's going to be a gorgeous night for football. Exactly what it's supposed to feel like at the end of November. Let's slide down one uh, classification to 6A. In the north, you've got South Panola and Grenada playing for a chance to go to the state championship game. And in the south, it's West Jones and Picayune. Again, two really fun matchups. Well, that, uh, South Panola kind of reminds me of that old song, Welcome Back. We hadn't seen South Panola. They used to live in the championship game. Uh, That's right. If they're able to get through a great uh, Grenada team, uh, they would play for the championship just a short, what, 20 minutes, 25-minute ride uh, over for uh, the South Panola Tigers, who kind of, I think even for a team that's had their record a little bit under the radar, but they played good football against the upstart Grenada team that's kind of found themselves. I think Batesville will be rocking. It'll be kind of like the old days, Richard, when the championship always ran through uh, South Panola. It's kind of interesting. For Grenada to get to Oxford, they got to get through Batesville. So I, I like that. And then down in the south, you talk about defense. Wes Jones, who I think has six shutouts this year, they play the preseason probably favorite, Picayune. Picayune uh, had some injuries uh, early in the region where they uh, – 
kind of struggled a little bit, but they have seemingly found themselves. They're much healthier going into a tough uh, game tonight at West Jones. I mean, uh, points will probably be at a premium down there for that one, Richard. When you talk about defense, Picayune has not allowed a point in the playoffs. They beat Forest Hill in the first round, forty-two to nothing, and last week they beat Pascagoula, thirty-eight nothing. So yeah, yeah, points uh, at a premium to say the least. In five A tonight, these are a couple of teams in the North that have uh, no lack of experience. Although for Clarksdale, it's been a little while. Clarksdale and West Point in the North, and in the South, Laurel kind of back in familiar territory. They're facing off tonight against Gaucher. Well, you got West Point, like you mentioned, Richard. Last couple of years, they, uh, you know, they, they lost a couple of championship games uh, in 5A. They kind of found themselves once they, if they're able to get through, they're they're pretty much, uh, you know, you would think a lot because I think they're like up there with, uh, I want to say, Louisville with the most state championships with 11. Coach uh, Chambliss does a great job every year. They kind of bounced back. They started a little slow. They played a tough schedule, but they kind of found themselves. And then you uh, mentioned Clarksdale. It's been a while since the Wildcats have been a factor. Uh, just a great job by their 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 kids to come back and uh, to be a close ball game. And then you mentioned Laurel. That's going to be a tough game in between the bricks, one of the toughest places to play in Mississippi. Kind of upstart Laurel team that started slow, but played a tough schedule, found themselves. And then uh, Gaucher kind of under the radar. Could be an interesting one in the bricks uh, tonight, but I like the tornadoes to get through. Keith, I'm just being honest with you. It's been 25 years, but I've still got post-traumatic wildcat syndrome from uh, when we played when I was at Oxford forever ago, and we played against Clarksdale in the uh, in the first round of the playoffs. That was a uh, that was a pretty salty bunch. So kind of cool to see them back in this position, just one win away from a state championship game in 4A. And remember, they've got an extra round, so these uh, teams are playing their fourth. Louisville and Houston in the north, and in the south, it's Columbia and Poplarville. Well, Louisville uh, was the number one team in the state for the majority of the season, and uh, for good reason. Just a solid overall uh, team. They they uh, had nice wins or impressive wins over uh, Starkville. I think they really got them going this year, and uh, they are looking. Uh, I believe they're looking to back to repeat. They they would be going for. I think they're. 13th state championship. I think they're undefeated. They're the only one that's undefeated in the championship. So it may be a lot when they get there, if they get there. Against, uh, you know, uh, Houston, a great story. Uh, one of the uh, longtime uh, uh, stations that carried the scoreboard show, uh, you know, the great Robin Mathis when he was uh, with us, he yep. always uh, loved calling in and giving those reports. And and uh, Houston is making him and the in the city and the and the and the town proud. Uh, proud. And I think that's going to be a, a great game. I like Louisville in that one. Then you mentioned kind of Columbia. They're probably the most undefeated uh, under under the radar team we have in Mississippi. Just a great year. Columbia, uh, you know, was in the championship last year. And I was just looking to try to give you that matchup. I I really like uh, them. Now Poplarville, you know, they lived in the for a championship game, maybe four out of the last four years. Poplarville just had that problem not being able to, to, to get it done in the championship game, but just a credit to them. They always give themselves a chance. They always play good football down there. The Hornets are going to be tough tonight. Keith, in 3A, East Webster is a team that's got multiple prospects on this team, and they have, or excuse me, Winona, not East Webster, uh, Winona. 
And they've mm-hmm. rolled through with a big win over Mantachi, and then they beat North Panola, and last week beat East Webster. And so that sets up a matchup with Winona and Amanda Elsey trying to get to the state championship game. That's in the north, and in the south, Jefferson County and Knoxabee County. That one could be a lot of fun as well. Well, you mentioned Knoxabee, who was there last year. They lost a close uh, goal, uh, game to uh, Raleigh uh, last year in the state championship. They were really young last year with freshmen and sophomores, and you're seeing that this year they play a tough non-region schedule. They play Louisville, Starville, those teams. Now they're hitting their stride against an upstart Jeff, uh, uh, Jefferson County team. That's probably the first time they've been this far in a long time. Really like Knoxville. And then you mentioned Winona up north. Uh, if Louisville's probably the best 13-0 and team, I think Columbia and Winona are right there behind them. The Tigers uh, play good football. I like uh, Winona to get through. In 2A, we've only got about a minute left. Charleston and Union in the north. Raleigh back in that state or in the uh, South Half Championship game tonight against Heidelberg. There's no Centurion Perkins on that Raleigh team, but they've had another really good season. Yeah, uh, and Charleston, uh, just a great story. They always play good football. And then Raleigh, like you mentioned, I was going to say uh, maybe there's the next Perkins or probably that's going to come out of that squad. But the an impressive job coming back. And Richard, I'll clean it up here for you. You got Raleigh and uh, Heidelberg. Also, another great story with Heidelberg. You know, they had the situation that went on last year, but their team made the playoffs. This year, they've been able to take it another notch and and, and have a shot to play uh, for a state championship. And then in that 1A classification, Biggersville and Vardaman in the north, and Velma Jackson and Taylorsville in the south. Keith, you guys are going to get everybody up to date tonight with the scoreboard show, and uh, what a great night of football here in the Magnolia State. Thank you, Richard. Richard, we appreciate you. We remember you made your start kind of on the way down to covering a game in Auburn. You called us and uh, gave us a report on there, hit the deer. I know it's a great brings back some great memories for us. But, Richard, you and the guys have a great rest of your show. Appreciate you. Thank you very much, Keith. Great catching up with you. That's a true story. Borky, I think I've told you that before. Hey, Dad, I don't know if you've ever heard this or not. So I had done a high school football game. I've heard it, yeah. And was uh, calling in to do a a report on the game uh, en route to Auburn uh, and hit a deer. And I said, guys, uh, I just hit a deer. And Dixon goes, what? You did what? He said, are you okay? I said, yeah, I think we're okay. So uh, that was your final score, and uh, I better check on this. I'll talk to you guys later. No profanity whatsoever. I was able to hold it together. Big night of high school football in the state of Mississippi. We'll be back right after this. If it's happening in Mississippi sports, you'll hear about it first right here. Sports Talk Mississippi. Welcome back. Sports Talk Mississippi streaming at supertalk.fm, Supertalk TV. Appreciate Keith joining us for a high school football conversation as we go toward North Half and South Half championship games tonight all across the state of Mississippi. If you've got one in your area, would uh, encourage you to uh, check it out. This is going to be a great night of high school football. Hey, i got a, a random college football question for uh, for you guys. When is the first time that you remember hearing the term hip drop tackle? A few weeks ago. Yeah, very recent. I, 
I w- so I think it was two weeks ago. I was uh, we were doing the the Memphis Charlotte game. Taylor McCarga and I were, and and he used that phrase, and I I didn't really follow up on it. And then all of a sudden, I feel like everywhere I turn, I hear people talking about the hip drop tackle, and the NCAA's got to do something about that. And people were pointing to the KJ Jefferson injury. It, it, it's simply where you get you you chase a guy down. And you kind of grab him around the waist, and instead of like driving through, you basically just drop yourself to the ground. Problem is, you end up getting your lower body a lot of times caught up with the the legs of a runner. I understand that this has caused some caused some injuries, and it's a dangerous play, or can be a dangerous play. There's so many things that we've taken away from defenses, though. Is that really something that you can legislate out of the game of college football? A guy chases down a ridiculously athletic running back or quarterback or receiver and gets his hands on him, and he can't grab – you can't horse collar him. You can't grab by the face mask. You've taken a bunch of other things out that you can't do, and so to get your arms around somebody and then to stop his momentum, you just go to the ground and hold on. Is that really something that you can take out of the game? We're running out of ways to tackle. We really are. Like, you can't hit them high, and now you're saying you can't hit them low. You can't grab them from behind. I mean, at, at, at some point, you, you only have so many different ways you can tackle a guy. Yeah. You know, so I don't know what else what's left to do at this point. Yeah, I've thought about it because I've seen people say, you got to get it out of the game just like you have, and my thought is, write the rule. If you're going to say there needs to be a rule, write it, and then tell me what it is. How how do you see that? What happens if you grab a guy and your foot slips and your body weight falls and you pull him down? You know, I mean, it, it just seems like it's an impossible thing to define. And so when you can't define it, you're expecting referees who are already at an incredible disadvantage. Like last night, for example, I know we got a text that the refs were awful. Frankly, I don't think they were awful last night, and they still missed a handful of calls that you can point to and think, oh, there was a block in the back there, or oh, that was wrong. Or, But by and large, they were okay, I think. But they still missed stuff. The, the targeting play last night. Yeah, I wanted to go to that. So so we need to talk. Like we that. may need more time than we've got right now. Yeah, we do, but... But when we're, you know, we're talking about ways to tackle, I mean, when you're a defender and the guy is diving headfirst towards you and you go to die, there's only so much you can do. And yeah. you can't, you know, the target area, and I'm not, I'm not talking target in terms of targeting, I'm just, that's, that's what I'm saying. There's only so much space where you, you, your body can go. Yeah. And I mean, that play was a huge game changing play in it that was. game last night. Is State still going to win? If, if they get the fourth down there, I, I don't know. But State had a ton of momentum when that penalty happened, and instead Ole Miss gets the ball and is able to they, they score on the drive. And, and look, I mean, by rule, that was targeting last night. You had a defender who, with as the crown as, of his helmet, made contact with the head or neck area of mm-hmm. a defenseless player. And so, yes, that is technically targeting. As soon as I saw the replay and you see his head kind of like, like go down a little bit. I was like, "Oh no, that's targeting." Because I, I, I'm just, I'm starting to get a feel for how they're going to call it. And when I see mm-hmm. someone's head moving towards the target, I know what, what's coming. 
And, and it's kind of an indicator, right? I mean, I, I don't know if it was Jordan or Cole that said on the broadcast last night, but said, look, when you're watching these replays, if you see a defensive player looking at the ground as he goes into tackle, there's a really good chance that you're going to end up with, with targeting. And I, and I thought that was a pretty decent way to describe it. But I think your point's a good one. What, what, what do you want a defender to do? Dart slid. Did, did Dart dive forward on that play, or was that the one he slid on? Dove. Yeah. That, that was now, when, when the one where he slid the and the guy hit him late. That's that that's that's a late hit. I don't. I'm not going to issue there. But on the yeah. dive, I mean, I don't know what else you can do there. And and because and, I, I know it's different, offense and defense is different. But a, a ball carrier, a running back, can take a handoff and literally put his head down and run ten yards down the field and make contact with whoever, and it doesn't matter. Yeah. It, yeah. The what do you expect them to do element of that flag last night is so true. What else do you expect them to do? How do you stop how, – how do both of those defenders stop Jackson Dart short of the first down without lowering their body parallel to the ground? How else do they do it? Do they slide tackle him like soccer? Or, or do they just let the guy get a first down? I mean, what do they do? I, I don't know. I mean, obviously, you can't slide tackle a guy because if you go in feet first, you're going to get called for tripping. Yeah, <laughs> you know, if he goes down, uh, that, there is a limited number of things. And and if I remember correctly, that targeting was not called on the field. Wasn't that a booth initiated replay? I believe that's correct. Correct. And, and, and so I think they, they were ori- originally just looking at the spot. Yeah, yeah. Sports Talk Mississippi, four o'clock hour coming up next. Sports Talk Mississippi, your all-access pass to all things sports in Mississippi. Sports Talk Mississippi on the Super Talk app, your local Super Talk station, and at supertalk.fm. Back with you on Sports Talk Mississippi, streaming at supertalk.fm and supertalk TV, and of course on your Supertalk Mississippi radio stations. Hope you and your family and friends had a great Thanksgiving yesterday. I'm not even talking about football. Like, just hope Thanksgiving Day itself was uh, was good. And for half of you, or some percentage of you, uh, Thanksgiving night was really good. And for others, uh, maybe less so. Um, but it brings us to a new day with a lot of news. Sports Talk Mississippi coming to you from the Pearl River Resort Studio. Um, I am in Houston, Texas, but my understanding is it is a gorgeous day at at home. And so the Dancing Rabbit Golf Club might just be the place to be for you. DancingRabbitGolf.com. That's where you go to book a tee time or schedule your trip. That's DancingRabbitGolf.com. Part of Pearl River Resort. Seaspire text line is open. Connect and protect. That's the newest plan from Seaspire <laughs> that gives your kids what they want and has easy to use parental controls for you. It's just $30 a month with auto pay. Learn more at seaspire.com. Seaspire, customer inspired. So last night and throughout the day today, there has been a lot of buzz around Jeff Levy's name as the next head coach at Mississippi State. Um, Hey, Dad, where are we in terms of what you know about Jeff Levy? Is he the number one candidate? Is he indeed coming to Starkville tonight uh, for perhaps an in-person interview? No idea? 
I believe that they've already done an interview with Jeff Levy. I don't think that's that's the issue here. I, I think that the uh, the idea that he might be here tonight is probably a little far fetched. But I do believe that this this search is is getting closer and closer to a, to an end. And I would say at this time, I would put Jeff Levy at the top of of the list of potential candidates for Mississippi State. We released our our new hot board today, Sports Talk Mississippi Hot Board LXIX. And uh, that uh, that one's out there right now, and we do have Jeff <laughs> Jeff Levy as the uh, the number one guy on that list right now. A uh, couple of new names since we've last talked. Barry Odom's name has come into to, to play. I don't know how serious a candidate he really is. I know he there's a lot of interest on his end. I don't know how reciprocated that interest is at Mississippi State. And then the, the name of, of interest in terms of you know we, we, if you're going to say home run. Would be Mike Elko, and that name is, has kind of popped up in the last 24 hours in some places and some people that I would I've been talking to, and I feel like there's there, there's there, there's there's obviously interest on state side for Mike Elko. Um, from from the Elko camp, I think it's more more of a you know he, he's listening and he'll he'll hear what state has to say, but you know he's he's a guy who's still in play for the Texas A&M job, I would think. Uh, so he may want to wait that out. So we will have to see. You know he, he has another game. His game is a uh, Saturday. So there wouldn't be any kind of decision made prior to then anyway. But I would definitely go so far as to say that at this moment in time, I think Jeff Lebby is, is kind of leading the pack. My guess is there was a spike in central Mississippi viewership of the Oklahoma mm-hmm. game this morning. People, what, what yeah. does the Jeff Lebby offense look like? And if that's what you were tuning in for, you probably liked what you saw because it was just a point shy of 70. That's what the Oklahoma offense put up tonight, uh, today in a, it was a uh, shout in a out to the hot board. TCU. Yeah. It, it, yeah. It was. So, but I mean, at the same time, if you're a Mississippi State fan, you've. You've seen that 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 offense before. You've seen Jeff Levy, you know, run an offense before. He and Lane Kiffin at at Ole Miss working together. So you have an idea of what he is. You know, you know that he's a tempo guy. That he he likes, you know, to some of the same principles that Kiffin does. And and again, he kind of fits the mold of what I've been talking about. You not not a, a head coach, obviously doesn't have that experience, but has worked for Josh Heupel, has worked for Lane Kiffin. Uh, now currently working, you know, at Oklahoma, so he's worked for good programs. He's worked under good offensive minds. He's a young guy. I think he'll get out there and recruit. I think he'll be a portal guy, and he fits a lot. Of, he, he checks a lot of boxes for me for what I would expect Mississippi State to be able to hire. And when she got past Chadwell and, and Lashley and those guys, who I don't, I just don't think have the interest in Mississippi State at this time. He's the kind of candidate that, like I said, outside of the lack of head coaching experience, he fits a lot of what I expected from this search for Mississippi State. Chalk this up to, I wish we could hear it. Uh, Brent Venables was asked about it after the game. said, I want all my guys Mm -hmm. to have opportunity, and I'll support them in whatever way I can. Everything has its time. Some of it's not ideal. Yeah, I I need to hear the tone of voice I would love to hear... That quote, as opposed to reading it, but yeah. So, I mean, that's the thing, right? With with the possibility of Lebby, I mean, we talked about it. That ideal candidate would have been a head coach before multiple years because you're, uh, I mean, just coming off of a guy that clearly was not ready uh, to to be a head coach, and and that's the risk you take when when hiring a coordinator. Is they've never done it before, but compare their resumes leading up to this point. They're not the same. 
Now, their experience as a head coach is the exact same. It's zero. But where they were to get to this point, should they uh, hire him, is different. I mean, you mentioned working under Heupel at UCF. And look at what Heupel's doing now. He was at Ole Miss under Kiffin. And look at what Lake Kiffin is uh, and, and has become at Ole Miss. And now, with Venables, it's his show. You know, Kiffin and Heupel are offensive guys. I'm sure that he learned a lot from them. But uh, when he took that job at Oklahoma, it was he can get out under the offensive coach's shadow because it's his deal. And Venables, in his own right, is a national championship winning coordinator. And sure enough, it's going extremely well. So it's different than a guy that's had two stops in his career versus a guy that's been at, what, four? Th- no, three Power Five schools, correct? And yeah, right. three Power Five schools uh, <coughs> and coordinated completely on his own out from under the umbrella of uh, Kiffin and Heupel. So the, the resume is very different. Yeah, it, it, it's and very similar, about- in my opinion, to Dan Mullen. You know, I mean, you may have a tad bit more experience because Mullen had just worked for Urban Meyer all that time and it was kind of familiar all with right. him. Whereas, you're right. Guys, what we got that? a full on fight going on with Missouri and Arkansas. I'm talking punches thrown. Missouri offensive lineman had his helmet ripped off. Flags all PS6 altercation? Man, this Man, rivalry you've got Arkansas has become coaches so in this toxic. Thing. This thing has become so... Oh, referees without his white hat, too. That means he threw a flag and then either he got his hat knocked off or he threw his hat for a second flag. This thing has become toxic. Well, you need to leave the trophy at midfield. Just, just get it over with. They have a trophy for this. Yeah, this is the is battle, this the, the border game, right? That, the border line right. the, or whatever it is. Battle line, something or other. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. Um, yeah. Also, just to, just yeah. real quick to continue on this, uh, Jeff Levy was asked about it. Said there's a time and a place for all of it. Said his focus was getting a game plan in place for the TCU game, and now waiting to see if the if Oklahoma finds its way to the Big Twelve championship. Very good. Very good. Man, I don't, are you guys watching this? this so I'm, I'm on. I'm on streaming, so I, I I I guess I haven't seen it yet. You'll get there, and then wait till you All see right. the replay. Holy cow! I mean, you got a Missouri player that kind of is on top of an Arkansas player who then tries to kind of like leg whip him as he's getting up from the ground, and then a guy away from the pile comes in and just plows him. How am I this Boom. far behind? Please, please. The referee had already thrown his flag, and then he threw his hat also. I love how they're having to take notes on how many players are getting penalties here. He's got his little Don't do that. Just, just do what that ref did in the in the Egg Bowl a few years ago. Unsportsmanlike on everybody. Let's go. Oh, they just ejected three players. So offsetting penalties, three players ejected, and I have never seen a referee look madder when he was making the call. Than the, I mean, when he gave the personal foul, I mean, he was like gritting his head. He was like, personal foul, number 58 on the offense. <laughs> Jeez. Wow. Oh, goodness. Oh, yeah. 
That's really ugly. You know, we should have a uh, think piece in USA Today is what we should get. Yeah. Has it gone Ooh. too far? What's oh? <laughs> You're being silly. Yes. Hey, just going back to to the offense and Jeff Levy and if, if you haven't studied what he does offensively, and you need a point of reference, think Baylor offense because the the offense yeah. that that Jeff uh, Baylor under Art Briles offense. Um, and, and this is not a Art Briles is Jeff Levy's father-in-law thing. He, he is, but right. that is the offensive style. There are components of the air raid that are part of that offense. Yeah. But there also is a very dynamic running game that goes along with it. If you looked at the stats today from uh, the Oklahoma game, I think they ran it 38 or 39 times and had like 41 rush attempts. It was it's it's very very balanced, but the run game matters a ton in that offense. This is a place for crazy people. If it's sports in Mississippi, you'll hear about it here. Sports Talk Mississippi on Super Talk Mississippi. Sports Talk Mississippi streaming at supertalk.fm and supertalk TV. 23-yard field goal from Tulane as the half comes to an end. And the Green Wave takes a 23-10 lead into halftime at home at Yulman Stadium in New Orleans over the UTSA Roadrunners. And, oh, by the way, Tulane will get the ball first to start the second half. Uh, Missouri after the three players were ejected. So Missouri lost its right tackle, who may be the best uh, player on the offensive line for Mizzou, and then Arkansas lost two defensive players, a defensive lineman and maybe a linebacker. As uh, Well, I'm not sure who the other was. Uh, but Missouri leading in that game 17 to nothing. Hey, Dad, I asked Borky before the break, is there a scenario where Hunter Juracek changes his mind? You know, they came out with the... Um, Sam Pittman will be yes. back, but if this thing like goes ugly, ugly. Well, I mean, you know what that reminds me of? I think a little bit of the, the 2008 Egg Bowl. I don't know that Greg Byrne was going to fire Sylvester Croom when he went when they arrived in Oxford that day, right? They had just beaten Arkansas and gotten to four wins, and I think I've always said that if, if State loses that game like 21-17 or something, I don't know that Croom gets the axe. But at 45 <laughs> nothing, that was untenable. And so, yeah, if this game continues to spiral and it finishes up 45-48 nothing, I mean, you might have to change your mind. Is the 2019... You're allowed to do that when you're presented new information. Is the 2019 Egg Bowl also an example of the possibility of... Had it not A little bit, but I mean, that was, like that's a that? close game. Yeah, the... the, 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 the I mean, I, but I wouldn't say that Ole Miss that year was like this undisciplined football team. They just that would they had a moment of madness there, and it, it got out. You know, that, that's that's a tough one there. But I don't know. But 2008, I, I am almost positive that the state would, did not go to Oxford that day planning to fire Sylvester Croom. Yeah, 
but the results kind of dictated that it was uh, it was necessary. It's an interesting decision uh, because right now, uh, you, you know, Jeff Levy could end up not working out at Mississippi State. Of course, there's the risk of that. He's never been a head coach before. There's there are risks associated with the change. However, wait, are we giving him the job now? I'm giving him the job. If I'm wrong, I'm wrong. We'll see him Monday. Um, <laughs> But okay. you know, there's risks associated with that, of Fair. course. Now he's he's got pedigree and and he's worked at big places, so staff, you know, he's got connections to build a staff and all that. But of course, there's a chance it doesn't work. But Mississippi State fans are going to get to spend an off season getting excited about football again. If you're an Arkansas fan, they didn't really show up today. Um, you're going to get smoked by half a hundred at home by Missouri. You're going to go four and eight, and nothing's going to change. That's tough. Entering the most, this is the most pivotal time to get a higher right or have the right coach right now. Well, no, nothing is going to change unless, and and Sam Pittman alluded to the fact that he was not concerned slash actually excited about Arkansas's ability to compete in the NIL space. So, did Arkansas get some? massive influx of cash I mean, that is a lot going to allow them to flip their entire roster in the offseason? I guess, but is, didn't you just describe the whole SEC? Who doesn't have a bunch of cash that's going to spend a bunch of money to get good well, players? Well, some have got more than others. Of course. And, and, and some have got a lot more than others. Y- yes, but, I mean, flipping a roster is kind of expensive. And, I mean, they stink. They're really bad. It's no, not no, like go get point. ten players. It's like you got to go get forty. Yeah, I mean, I guess that's kind of the point that I'm making. Is you know, when he says that, does that mean that Arkansas, congratulations, has now got seven, eight, nine, ten million dollars to play with in the portal, or did they have somebody say, "Hey, here's forty million. Go fix this now." Ooh, 40 I, million. I don't know. I mean, that that would be incredible. Um, <laughs> <laughs> wow. But but still, I mean, if you're an Arkansas fan, even I if mean, they have an influx of NIL cash, it's like, man, what am I excited about? We're, we're bringing in Texas and the Oklahoma. Prices at Walmart have been steadily increasing over the past few months, so they it have. could be true. But they really have. It's the 12 team playoff era. You look around the SEC, and like a place like that looks down at a place like Ole Miss, right? Compare how, and you can loop Mississippi State into because they're getting a new coach, and so at least fan optimism is going to be super high going into next season. But Use Ole Miss as an example, because as of this moment, there's going to be no change in coach, and they're returning a quarterback. A program that Arkansas people look down on as if they are just dirt that that is underneath their feet as they walk. And Ole Miss is going to enter the 12-team playoff era, welcoming Texas and Oklahoma as a preseason top-10 team, returning a quarterback, presumably a running back. There's a chance that they're returning their three leading wide receivers, you know they're going to portal well because Kiffin portals well. Metric, ton of momentum, hype, everything. Going into the 12-team playoff era. Mm-hmm. And here you are, finishing a 4-8 and eight season with no energy, no hype, nothing. And your schedule just got harder. You're competent. You're right. You've added two programs that historically are significantly better than you. And you're lagging so far behind Ole Miss, you guys are on different planets. Uh, though that will never be admitted. But it's true today. Yeah. Um, let's talk about Will Rogers. 
for a uh, for a second. A, a gutty performance by him. I look. Nobody ever talked about what his injury actually was. I think there was a lot of assumption that it was related to a shoulder. I've had a couple of people tell me that it. And, and I don't know that I feel comfortable just like throwing out what I'm told his injury was, but it was kind of an obscure deal. But it, it would it would explain why he was not like just layered up with braces on his shoulder, but also had to stay out of games for basically a month. Uh, and there was a lot of concern about him returning to the uh, to the football field. A really gutsy performance last night by Will Rogers, um, but he is clearly not the quarterback he was. I, I was talking with someone. Uh, today, earlier today, and they said, have you ever seen a more significant drop-off from what a quarterback was to what he is? And the answer to that is no. Not one that I could think of just right off top of mind. And, you know, if you watch Will Rogers, he was not accurate last night. And it's it's not that he doesn't see it. And, hey, Dad, I know that there have been, oh, like people have made noodle arm jokes through the years about Will Rogers. But we saw in the game against South Carolina, there was enough juice in his arm to push the ball down the field when he was healthy and get the ball to open receivers. Good grief. Cody Schrader is having a field day against Arkansas's defense. There was enough juice, though, in the arm for, for Will Rogers to get it down the field. But physically, he was unable, against Southern Miss, against Ole Miss last night, to have his body do what his brain was telling him to do. And some of the throws that the play calling was asking him to make, NFL quarterbacks would struggle with some of those throws. You're rolling out away from your, your body. Rolling out to the other to to your to your weaker side and trying to throw the ball out like that. That that's, those are tough tough throws for anybody to make, let alone Will Rogers, who isn't a quarterback who who has elite arm strength to begin with. So, yeah, Rogers' toughness. I mean, that that is it is just is what it is. But uh, for him, you know, not the way he wanted his Mississippi State career to end. Obviously, we saw the emotion that he that he had last night uh, in post game. Uh, and then today, uh, you know, reports surfacing that he'll be entering the transfer portal. He put out a graphic a little earlier this year or this week or this week today. Today is I'll get there eventually. Uh, where uh, he, you he, usually get on to me for stumbling over my words, there, Mister Fumble Fingers. I don't I don't speak with my fingers. I speak with my mouth. That's what I use right here. Uh, the graphic doesn't say transfer. It doesn't say I'm leaving. It doesn't. It doesn't say anything of that. But it also it it reads like a goodbye. And another thing of note, and, and my buddy Robbie Falk pointed this out: the graphic's not done by Mississippi State. It's done by Hayes Fawcett from On Three Sports. On Three is this small little uh, this new website, and they uh, they he is a guy who's, who has a lot of. Uh, connections and in, in he does edicts for commits and things like that it's odd that rogers didn't get somebody from state to do this for him to me anyway yeah so it reads like goodbye but it doesn't actually say goodbye so i don't know if he's like he's giving the midwest goodbye does he have the 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 the, the you know, he's one hand out the door and he's like i gotta go I, I really gotta leave now i don't know i don't know if he's waiting to see who the next coach is or what i think will rogers took his last snaps at mississippi state last night though yeah, all signs point to 
that being the case. Th- yeah. They do. And and understandably so. That, that he needs to be in an offense that gives him the ability to uh, to thrive. But he's also got to get completely healthy. Right? Because mm-hmm. the, the, there is not an offense in which Will Rogers fits with the way he threw the football last night. Pro style, air raid, anything. He's just got to get healthy. And if he does get back to 100% shoulder and whatever else is going on, then he can put up good numbers in an air raid offense. We'll be back. It's time for more Sports Talk Mississippi. Finally. Finally. On Super Talk Mississippi, the Super Talk app, and at supertalk.fm. Time in Fayetteville. It is Missouri 20, Arkansas nothing. The Missouri Tigers 9 and 2 on the year, 5 and 2 in SEC play, and they have been dominant in the first half of uh, of this ball game. Also 23 to 10, Tulane leading it over UTSA. A couple of other games that are still going: Utah State, New Mexico are at halftime. Utah State's up 17 to 14. Boise State leading Air Force 17 to 6 in uh, in that game. As we had finals earlier, Tulane or excuse me, uh, Oklahoma over TCU 69-45. Iowa caps off a 10-win season, 13 to 10 over Nebraska. Miami 45-20 over Boston College. Memphis beat Temple 45-21 to finish 9 and 3 in the regular season. Toledo 32-17 over Central Michigan. And Ohio beat Akron 25-14. There's some good games coming up tonight as well. Texas Tech at Texas. That one's at 6.30 on ABC. Penn State and Michigan State from Ford Field in Detroit. Remember all the hubbub about that one back in the offseason? Oh, play Friday night. and Anyway. They uh, they moved that one to Detroit and Ford Field. And then you got Oregon State and Oregon with Oregon as a 14-point favorite over the Beavers at home tonight at uh, at Alton Stadium. Which of those three games is most likely to grab you and hold on to you? Is it Civil War? Yeah, for sure. And uh, remember, this is the game where Michigan and Michigan State decided to play in a dome because they were too scared of the cold. Penn State and Michigan State. Penn State and Michigan State. Yeah, they're playing at Ford Field. And uh, because they're too too scared of of the weather, so I'm I'm curious what the uh, what the weather is in East Lansing right now. I'm trying to pull it up on theoldweather.com. See if that was a a good decision to give 28 up. Twenty eight degrees game. right now. Yeah, toughen up. You you talk about oh the people in no the south. No precipitation it, though. It's just cold. Yeah, well, the people yeah. in the south when it's cold, the whole city shuts down. We have winters up here. Well, then play outside. You know who wouldn't be afraid of weather? People in Buffalo. They're tough. Folks in Michigan are just they're they're either cheaters it's or they're twenty six at kickoff. Good. It's going to be twenty six at kickoff and twenty four when the game. That's not that bad. That's cold. That's cold. They guys. call that football weather up there. 
Yeah. Just put a jacket on. Ohio fine. State and Michigan are playing outside tomorrow. They didn't move to Ford Field. Exactly. Don't forget to bring a towel. You got cheaters and you got soft. That That's Michigan, man. That's the bunch of soft yeah. cheaters. Bunch of soft cheaters. Hey, you know what I've not said out loud that I've thought a bunch? What I Please really hope happens in the um, in the playoff is that the ACC gets left out of the playoff. And you know why? Oh. Jim Phillips, the commissioner of the ACC, if you remember, if you remember correctly, and we talked about this at the time, we laughed, huh, it'll be funny because the ACC might be sitting home again. You remember when they delayed? They didn't want to go to the 12-team playoff? We could have had a 12-team playoff this season. But they pushed the decision back six months to ultimately make the exact same decision, and Jim Phillips was the ringleader there. I hope karma comes and just slaps him back and forth, up and down at every orifice available. Fantastic thinking, forward thinking by Jim Phillips, in my opinion. We weren't ready this season to have that kind of of a 12-team playoff. We just weren't ready this season. Next year was a better idea. They would have gotten two. I, I get that, but there were other factors at play. We don't Shut need up, it man. this season. <laughs> Could you, you imagine really do the not, stress? You really don't want to live a life in which Ole Miss makes the very first college football playoff, do you? No. <laughs> I don't. I'll just come out and tell you as if there was some kind of drama around that announcement. Yeah, I don't. I also won't let you inject me with the plague either. I was. Uh, I was saying about this earlier today. Traveling. I mean, clearly, I hope Ole Miss makes the playoff. I think things set up for them to have a chance to do that. You'll have to go out and you'll have to do it on the field with the, the schedule that they'll play a, a year from now. But I really don't want them to be top four. I mean, look, if they're top four, that'd be great because that means they're probably you undefeated. You want that I home want game, this though. to be five, six, seven, or eight. I want them to play a home playoff game in Vault Hemingway with a chance to move to the the quarterfinals. That I mean, and and you know what? It would great. be the biggest sporting event in the history of the state of Mississippi by an exponent of seventeen. And that has nothing to do with Ole Miss. If it were Mississippi State, the same holds true. It would be the biggest sporting event ever in Mississippi. And you know what's great about that? Much to the disdain of people like Barrett Salee, we get to spend an entire offseason talking about that possibility, and we're not insane for doing it. Barrett wants to go back to the BCS. Yeah. This is how stupid that is. Washington wins out. Ohio State wins out. Georgia wins out. Pick two. BCS is stupid. It was always stupid. It's even more stupid. Using this year as your reason to go back is even dumber than anything else. But... We will get to spend an offseason talking about it. And it's not crazy. It's not a stretch. It's not, yeah, well, look, it's only four in Alabama and Georgia and the SEC. So come on. Hope you get a good bowl game. That's not the conversation. Starting now, and depending on who Ole Miss gets back, right? Like, you know, it's it's no secret. A lot of people have talked about how they're they're trying to get Caden Priestcorn to come back. He's married with a child. Maybe the guaranteed money in the NFL is more enticing. That might be a hard pull, but... Trey Harris, they're they're working on that. Watkins and Wade are likely going to return. You are returning a three-year starter at quarterback that has gotten better from one year to the next and is like the emotional 
leader of that team and you've got guys on defense with COVID years and like if all of that stuff comes together like they expect it to, we will spend an entire offseason talking about playoff. And it's like a realistic conversation. It's not far-fetched. It's not a stretch. It's not being dumb. It's That's what we'll get to talk about. And do you know how much more fun this offseason is going to be when we've got new coach and we've got a team that is built to make a run at a playoff? How much more enjoyable thinking mm-hmm. about and talking about college football in Mississippi is going to be for the next eight months? And the truth of the matter is, when you think about what Ole Miss did last night, so so they were, with the win, they moved to 10 victories. And in terms of a bowl game, it's going to be what? Citrus Bowl or Cotton Bowl or Peach Bowl, most likely. Um. I mean, I suppose there is a scenario where Georgia beats Alabama in the SEC championship game, gets in the playoff, Alabama gets an access bowl spot, Missouri gets an access bowl spot. Well, that still would have Ole Miss in the in the yeah. Citrus Bowl. So that's likely the floor. <laughs> they need that is the, I mean, the only way they the only way they can get into the access bowl if Missouri stays ahead of them is if somehow the SEC gets two playoff teams. They would need like a really close win for Alabama over Georgia, and I mean, for like Ohio State to blow Michigan out. That that would be the best game. Even then, Texas. I, I mean, I don't know. I don't think it's possible. That's just the way that they have to get two SEC teams into the playoff. If Louisville loses I mean, to Kentucky, you're in the top eleven. They can go. Uh, Ole Miss needs to move up one but, spot from where they are right now because you've got the. The guaranteed spot. Okay. To... You need you the ACC ball, to be right? left out. Is what you need. You need the ACC to be left yeah. out of the playoff. That's what you need. You need Kentucky. Uh, excuse me. You know, well, you need Kentucky to beat Perfect World. Kentucky beats Louisville. Louisville beats Florida State. That's the Perfect World. That gets you in. Mm, I disagree. I mean, Perfect World would be Louisville loses twice. And but then oh, Florida no. State would. Uh, yeah, oh, I see what you're saying. Because. You need the ACC and to be Florida, left out of the top four. Florida State still might not get in undefeated. It's possible they don't. Yeah, they based on on probably other won't. stuff. Yeah. Um. So, anyway, or they could just lose to Florida, which is possible, and chaos, man. That's why. Because somebody asked me last night, they they were like, "Should I book a, a room for Orlando?" And I said, "If it's if it's free refund, then sure, go for There's it." Long- but this is college football. Crazy stuff happens. I mean, we saw Pittsburgh beat West Virginia to keep West Virginia out of the national championship game. Yeah. I mean, you're telling me that and maybe this all happens, but Penn State, Louisville, Florida State are all going to win? Maybe they do, but it would be a very college football thing for that not to happen. Yeah. Yeah. Po- point being in all of that, if Ole Miss goes to the Citrus Bowl and plays Iowa and wins, if they go to the Cotton Bowl and they play, I don't know, whomever, win, lose, whatever, Ole Miss is going to be a preseason top ten team next year. So they're they're in a good starting point. They are likely to be returning their starting quarterback. They're two-time 1,000-yard rushing running back. Most of the pieces on the offensive line 
possibly Caden Priestcorn, likely Jordan Watkins, Dayton Wade, probably not Trey Harris. It, it seems far-fetched. There are going to be a lot of pieces back. Sports Talk Mississippi. Hey, it's go time. Sports Talk Mississippi. Well, say something. Super Talk Mississippi. Football Palooza weekend, but um, also got some hoops going on, including Mississippi State hosting Nichols and getting a win earlier this afternoon. The Bulldogs moved to six and zero on the season after a thirteen point win, seventy four sixty one. Uh, back at Humphrey Coliseum in Starkville, Mississippi State was led by Cam Matthews with twelve points. Actually, Josh Hubbard once again leads the team in scoring. He came off the bench, had 15 points in 21 minutes. Didn't shoot it as well from three today, just one of five. <clears throat> Excuse me, Cam Matthews, 12 points in 25 minutes. Hey, Dad, who is Jay Bell Jr.? Who is that? Jimmy Bell. Jimmy Bell. Sorry, I'm not completely up to speed on all of the new basketball players just quite yet. 11 points in 18 minutes for Jimmy Bell. A double He's double, new, right? Yeah, he's a transfer from West Virginia. There you go. 6'10", 280. Yeah, big old boy. Yeah. So he's kind of filling the role of, or trying to fill the role of Tolu Smith. Well, I mean, he's the guy that, you know, they brought in to kind of fill the role of Will McNair, but he has been yeah. really good for State in these opening games. Yeah. So, um... Good win. Mississippi State moves to 6-0. and What's next? Atlanta next? The Georgia Tech game? Or is there another yes. one between now and uh, on, uh, on Tuesday, uh, Mississippi State at Georgia Tech in the SEC-ACC Challenge. Ceasefire text line 601-879-4395. Ben lets us know that Delta State is playing Valdosta State tomorrow afternoon at 1 o'clock in Cleveland. If Delta State wins... They are in the regional finals. The game can be watched for $10. $10 for a single game watch pass at NCAA.com. So um, there you go. If you want to watch Delta State you can, and you can't make it to Cleveland, you can watch online at NCAA.com slash champs-pass. That's according to Ben. I'm going to take his word for it for uh, $10. Um, interesting question here from Mike. Thinking ahead to bowl games, knowledge of NIL contracts, are requirements to play in bowls usually in there, or will players be opting out? They're not in there. Can't be. NIL deals can, well, they cannot be performance-based. They can't be performance-based, but they can be you have to be on the team for this amount of time to collect the full amount-based. So... I know for a fact that last year with Mississippi State, a couple of their NIL deals were set that you didn't get your full payment until after January 2nd or whatever. So if you didn't play in the bowl game, you didn't get the full payment. So you can miss out on some cash by not playing. Can you think of anybody that would opt out for Ole Miss? 
Trey Harris possibly if he was for sure. Trey Harris on? was the only the only one I could think of. I mean, the, everybody else that that would be gone needs to play. I mean, they need another game. What what they would lose? What this Ole Miss team would lose is a lot of fringe. I mean, there's not a at least leaving the team this year. There's not a day two pick on it. At least I don't think so. Yeah, I'm probably not the right guy to guess on that. But either way, is, there's a lot of younger talent though. That and that's that's kind of where that's where it is for them. Hey, Dad, the the thing to me that's so interesting about this hire for Mississippi State is it's not just hiring a new coach, and it's not just a coach that's got to come in and put together a recruiting class in a really short period of time. It's a roster flip, and and not like a negative like you're doing Deion Sanders running a bunch of guys off, although there may be some of that, but there's just a ton to replace. Yeah. Even if state was really good right this second, if state was sitting at like eight and four, nine and three, they still would be hitting the portal big time in this yes. offseason because they've just got so many guys that, that are super seniors and COVID seniors and everything else that are just not going to be back in Starkville next year. You got to find two inside linebackers. You got to find a couple of safeties, a couple of inside, a uh, couple of offensive linemen, a couple of receivers, and a quarterback has got to be found. So, yeah. And look, there's been a lot of made about the uh, the efforts of the Bulldog Initiative in recent days and weeks, and that is a good thing because that money is going to be needed and then some. I mean, you you also probably have got to figure out a way to really up the ante for Xavier Harris. I mean, he's a playmaker. Thomas. And Thomas, him too. There, there's two Xavier. Xavier Thomas. Xavier Harris plays for Ole Miss. Defensive line, yeah. Yes, I realize. Um, yes. Xavier Thomas is who I was talking about, number one for Mississippi State. Yes. Uh, he's uh, he's going to be expensive. Yeah. And there's going to be no a lot of that. people that are willing to pay. Yeah. So. And, and Mississippi State's got to be part of that group. I mean, yeah, that's guy you got to figure out a way to keep. Do you have thoughts on Tulu Griffin? We'll yeah, I'll give him in the next segment if you like. College football fix is next. Talk Mississippi. Here we, here we go, go. Super Talk Mississippi. clock hour on this Black Friday, the day after Thanksgiving. Like I said earlier, a football palooza. Got a couple of games going on right now. The Arkansas-Missouri game is non-competitive. You want to watch it, it's on uh, CBS, and Missouri is just beating Arkansas to death this afternoon. They lead 27 to nothing with 11.43 to go in the third quarter. K.J. Jefferson is out and will not return in that ball game. Tulane leading UTSA 23-10 with about four minutes left in the third quarter of that game. 
UTSA driving, trying to uh, get something going and try and make this thing competitive down the stretch. Glad to be with you as we roll into this 5 o'clock hour. Got the college football fix coming up in just a moment. We'll remind you that Sports Talk Mississippi is brought to you in part by Visit Oxford. Find them online at visitoxfordms.com. Holly jolly holidays going on. You're looking for something to do to wrap up the Thanksgiving weekend. Check out the ice skating. You've uh, got that as an option through the uh, through the weekend. And a cool way to have fun. The family kids will love it. That's part of Holly Jolly Holidays. For a full list of schedules and events, check out visitoxfordms.com. Richard Cross, Michael Borky, and Brian Haydad in the Pearl River Resort studio, pearlriverresort.com. Let's get to the college football fix. College Football Fix is driven by Ford and your local Mississippi Ford dealers. Log on to buyfordnow.com and find out why the best-selling trucks are built for tough. You can test drive one at your local Mississippi Ford dealer. Let's, uh, let's reset on the coaching search information for Mississippi State. Hey, Dad, get us up to speed with what you know as we roll toward the evening hours on this Friday. Well, Mississippi State needs a coach, all right. Thanks. No, Appreciate anyway. the update. <laughs> all right, that's your college football fix, driven by Ford. <laughs> um, I, I, it's kind of two-pronged, Richard, in that I think it's kind of coming to a close, but I think interviews are still happening. I think there are still, there are still things going on. I, I don't know that they've, they've come down to a final two, final three, or anything like that. I don't. I certainly don't think an offer has been, a full official offer has been extended, but I would say that at this moment in time, you know the the smoke signals say Jeff Levy. That's the Oklahoma offensive coordinator, former Ole Miss offensive coordinator, uh, who coached today, uh, and his team put up a ton of points against TCU. He he's the guy I think right now is kind of you you know to use one of your favorite terms, sort of a leader in the clubhouse kind of thing. Okay. I, I think that right now that he's 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 leading the pack, but that's not to say that we couldn't wake up tomorrow morning and a new name be out there, uh, that, that a new leader could emerge. And I'll be honest with you, sometimes when you have, and I've talked to three or four different people, and they're all kind of giving me the same information on Levy. I, 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 sometimes that happens, and then you wake up the next day, and it's gone the complete other way. And I, and I, and I go back to when Mike Leach was hired. There was this kind of smoke around Steve Sarkeesian for a full day. It was just like, ah, that's that's looking good, and you know, there, there's a lot of smoke. And then you woke up the next day, and Mike Leach was the head coach of Mississippi State. So I won't be completely surprised uh, if it does pan out that way. But right now, as we sit here today, five ten on a Friday, that Jeff Lebby is the guy that I, I think is trending towards taking this job. But just to be clear, you do not believe that this job has been officially offered to Jeff Lebby or Correct. anyone else? That is what I, I believe at this point. Do you believe that terms have been discussed with Jeff Lebby? Yes, I do believe that. Okay. That's fair. Um, do you believe that regardless who is hired that person will be announced as the guy we wanted the entire time and the only person we offered the job to. <laughs> and I, I believe that his his wife will be lovely, 
and I believe that his children will be fantastic, and I believe Dr. Keenum will tell him the importance of the Egg Bowl within 15 minutes of meeting him. I don't know that he'll have to have that explanation, considering that he has been a part of it. Now he hasn't been a part of it on that side. That's true. Jeff Levy would get it, yeah. Yeah. Has not been a part of it on that side. Um, The whole thing's really fascinating. Now, I I do feel like we've got to go back to where the conversation began, hey, Dad, a week and a half ago when it became clear that Zach Arnett was no longer going to be the head coach at Mississippi State. You were adamant, and, and this is not, I'm not throwing this in your face. I, I promise I'm not, but, but I do think it's worth us revisiting. You were adamant that Mississippi State absolutely had to hire someone with Power 5 head coaching experience. What changed? Mm-hmm. Well, not, not, not Power 5. Uh, head coaching experience is what I said. Okay. Because Sorry, six, the guy six, that I had at the top of my the, t- the guy at the top of my list was Jamie Chadwell, and had never been a Power 5 head coach. And I... I to me, the two most important things for State in this hire were I wanted to see, like I said, head coaching experience and offensive experience. I wanted somebody who, who brought exciting uh, offense to, to, to Mississippi State. If I had to pick which one is more important to me, it's the offensive side of the ball. State needs to be a more exciting football team in this day and age of college football, unless you have a ton of four- and five-star guys, unless you can play defense like Georgia and Alabama do year in and year out, you got to win games on offense. And Lebby certainly gives you that. He's an experienced coach. He's worked with a lot of different staffs, so he's going to have connections. I feel like he can put together a good staff. Um, I, I, think he's a, I think he's a good hire. Would I have rather seen Chadwell? Would I have rather seen Rhett Lashley? Yeah. Yeah, probably so. But if State was going to go coordinator, this was always the guy I kind of had circled as the top coordinator on the board. And the the truth is we will never, likely never, know all of the behind-the-scenes stuff that happened during this search. Um, mm-hmm. How many of those guys did Zach Selman or through intermediaries that he talked to or were they reached out to? How many of them said, no, I'm not interested? How many of them said, I'm interested, but I'm not interested right now. I want to get through the end of the season first. You know, How many of them flat out said, absolutely not, go find a tall building and jump? Probably none said wow. that exactly. That's um, harsh. And, and then how many were genuinely interested and – were there conversations with Willie Fritz? Were there conversations with Jeff Trailer? Were there conversations with Jed Fish at Arizona or um, Jonathan Taylor at Jonathan Taylor? Is that right? At Oregon State, Jonathan Smith. Jonathan Smith. Who's Jonathan Taylor? He's a running back for the Indianapolis Colts. Was that Played the kid actor on Tool Time or Home Improvement? No, that's uh, Jonathan Taylor Thomas. Oh, okay. Yeah. Anyway, Jonathan JTT. Smith. Um, and, and and who else? And and how did it go down? Yeah, I mean, um, Thomas Jefferson was the uh, third president of the United States, and um, a bit of a star in Hamilton. Yeah, yeah. Jefferson Davis was the president of the Confederacy. Mississippi also has Jefferson and Davis counties. Very right. true. And what? Jefferson Davis County. Jefferson, Jefferson Davis, Davis County. County. No, Jefferson and Davis. Yeah. No, I don't think there's a Davis, Davis County. Davis Love, American golfer. New golf course going in. 
uh, in the 30A area uh, that is a Davis mm-hmm. Love design. They're going to call it three. I had to end it there. I can't think of anyone whose first name is Love. Lovey Smith. I did the best I could, though. Lovey Smith, former head coach of the Chicago Bears. Don't know anybody whose first name is Smith. I, I do, but I, now all of a sudden it's like I'm not going to bring a random girl from high school into this conversation <laughs> whose dad has a connection to um, uh, college football yeah. coaching. There you go. Yeah. Um, there you go. Uh, that was That was weird. Sports Talk Mississippi yeah, well, streaming and you Super set Talk. us on that path there, and I just I just took the ball and ran with it. So yes, yes, uh, indeed you had. Who should Ole Miss be rooting for this weekend? Michigan State. Yeah, I think Kentucky. Michigan State, Kentucky, Florida. Yeah, that's that's the three. Yeah. Of those three, Michigan State against Penn State, Kentucky against Louisville, Florida against Florida State, who is the most likely to pull off an upset victory? It's got to be Florida, right? Because we don't know what Florida State's going to look like without Jordan Travis. And they're at home. So this feels like that's the most that's that's the most likely one. Michigan State is, is not good. And of those three, I don't think Kentucky's very of, good. Of yeah. those three, hey, Dad. Who would Richard Cross most like to see pull off the upset? Oh, it's Michigan State. Yes, sir, not, it is. Not, yes, sir, It's it not is. even a competition that not Richard Cross wants James Franklin to be embarrassed on every possible stage. Every stage. And he's got a big yeah. one tonight in, uh, in Ford Field. I wonder what the crowd will be like for that. Will they fill that place up for a uh, Michigan State-Penn State game on a Friday night? Seems unlikely. The the, the get-in-the-door ticket price for that game is $44. That tells me that, no, they will not fill it up tonight. Sports Talk Mississippi, that's your college football fix driven by Ford and your local Mississippi Ford dealers. Coming up next, you know what time it is. It's Food Friday presented by Polk's. Your number one for sports talk. Anyone? 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 Come on, don't be shy. Sports talk, Mississippi. Bingo, man, bingo. Super talk, Mississippi. Sports Talk Mississippi streaming at supertalk.fm and Supertalk TV rolling on with you in this 5 o'clock hour. All right, get them ready. Get those texts ready to go. We need to know what you cooked yesterday. We'll take pictures, maybe what you're going to put on the grill tonight, what you're going to put on the grill this weekend, because it is time for Food Friday. Food Friday presented by Polks and PolksMeat.com. If you have not yet tried Polks, What are you waiting for? You can get it at your local grocery store, readily available all over the state of Mississippi. Look for that bright yellow packaging. My favorite is the Cajun smoked sausage, but you should try all four of their smoked sausage styles to see which your favorite is, which one you're going to enjoy the most. You've also got the ham steaks, 
Uh, you've got the uh, the beanie weenies. You've got the hams that are cut to just the size for biscuits. So many options from Polk's, and you will love it. Mississippi Company, Polk'sMeat.com, your local grocery store. No buts about it, folks. Picky people pick Polk's. And now a personal endorsement. Yesterday, as part of our Thanksgiving appetizer spread, did a big sausage and cheese plate, had three packages of Polk's Cajun smoked sausage. Done that a bunch of times. My father-in-law asked me last night, he said, hey, what was that sausage today? I said, it was Polk's. I said, it was the, the Cajun. He goes, well, I, I knew it was the Polk's. He's like, have we had that before? I said, yes, sir, we have. The Cajun smoked sausage is the one I almost always do. He said, I don't know what was different. He said, but that may have been the best sausage I have ever eaten. And I said, well, I will pass along the compliment to uh, the entire state of Mississippi. Uh, he And, look, he has cooked for a long, long time. Uh, so he didn't say that flippantly. But it was uh, it was really good. And, and I told him the story about the text that we got earlier this week where uh, uh, the friend on the text line said, hey, in, you know, how do you prepare your polks? And I said, I opened the package and put it on the grill. Uh, that's all you got to do. So it was uh, it was great. Hey, Dad's got the uh, the big eating, the big meal coming tomorrow. Borky uh, did his yesterday. We had a, a big big crew, big spread yesterday as well. Um, hey, Dad, traditional? Anything out of the ordinary on your Thanksgiving menu? Not that I would say no, no, very traditional. Uh, turkey. turkey. Oh yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, and you do. Oh, you go oven roasted, big... right? I do the turkey in the oven. It helps make gravy that way. Okay. Uh, and we'll, we'll, I'll, I will do a. Uh, I got a big pork loin that I'll throw in the grill. Uh, we'll have mashed potatoes and gravy. We'll have mac and cheese, corn casserole, dressing, green beans. Uh, I think you. I think you know about the Brussels sprouts. Mm-hmm. I'll have those tomorrow. Um, I think I'm gonna get some. I think I'm gonna stop at the store and get some asparagus on the way home and do some bacon wrapped asparagus on the grill too. Oh wow! Okay. Yeah, yeah I, 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 I like bacon wrapped asparagus. We got rolls, of course. Uh, I'm trying to think if I'm missing any. So, oh, uh, my wife, she's not a cranberry sauce woman. Her family does a thing called cherry salad. And what is it exactly? I don't know. I never asked for the recipe, but it's 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 the, it's their version of it. So like, whatever. Um, my grandmother did then, uh, a strawberry salad, like a like a yeah. strawberry Jello salad. Almost, it's got a layer of cream cheese in the yeah. middle of it. It was my absolute yeah, yeah, favorite it's, dessert. Yeah, it's something like that. Uh, my le- oh, a potato casserole. We have potato casserole as well. Um, okay. And then uh, dessert wise, <laughs> uh, this is where you know I've worked hard this year, Richard. I've worked hard. Mm-hmm. I've dropped eighty pounds. I'm very proud of myself. Yeah. And we are not going to concern ourselves with that tomorrow, though. We are not. We are not worried about that tomorrow. Hey, you, you've uh, earned. As long as you promise you're going back to it next week, you've earned it. Oh yeah. Enjoy the weekend. Yeah. Next day. Very next day. But uh, chocolate pie, coconut mm-hmm. pie, pumpkin mm-hmm. cupcakes with cream cheese. Oh, I love coconut pie. Uh, pumpkin cupcakes with cream cheese icing. Uh, we, we, I think she said an apple crisp. She she making an apple crisp. Ooh. We got a cheesecake. Yeah. Well, I like fifteen or sixteen. Okay, that is a, so. that is a phenomenal spread. Yeah, I'm excited. 
I love to, I, I love love to eat turkey. I love Thanksgiving. So, <laughs> Borky, what was it yesterday? How did how did it go down? Oh, it just this turkey very, looked good. Yeah, I, I smoked the turkey. It was excellent. Uh, I mean, and, and I kept the temperature really low the whole time. And uh, seasoned it really well to the point where it didn't compromise the bark cooking it so low. And I, I didn't finish it off like above 300 like some people recommend. I kept it at 250 until it was done, and that was such a good idea. Uh, turkey, mac and cheese, baked potatoes, store-bought brownies, and uh, had a day. What I'm going to do now, though, is what I'm most excited about, is I'm going to take all of that. I'm going to get a huge loaf of French bread. Slice it in half, uh, pull out the insides of it, basically. Pop that in the oven for a little bit, and then put all of it in there. Turkey, mac and cheese, gravy on top, mashed potatoes, and I'm going to put cheese on top of it. And then slap that in the broiler for a minute or two, and have a sandwich the size of a football, and do nothing but watch football after that. Maybe fall asleep for a little while. Who knows? But... That's what I'm going to do tomorrow. I'm more excited about that than yesterday. I'm really disappointed I'm not at home to have a leftover turkey and dressing sandwich. And I kind of throw a little curveball in there that some might think is heresy because I'll put a piece of American cheese on it also. I, I just like that. So Nothing wrong with that. T- Nothing some, wrong with some that. mayo on white bread or wheat bread, slice of cheese, some turkey, and some dressing, put it all together, and holy goodness, oh, it's so good. So good, uh, but I'm going to miss out on that tonight. So uh, I guess hopefully it'll there'll still be some leftovers when I get home late uh, tomorrow night. I, I did something. I think I can't remember if I told you about this on Wednesday or not. So Greg at LB's had ordered me some of the the beef shoulder, beef tenderloin, the shoulder. That's not tenderloin, obviously, but the, the shoulder that comes in kind of um, it's like a banquet style strip and cook that and slice it up, and they didn't come in. And so I got a bunch of small fillets. I had 15 of them, like 15 four- or five-ounce fillets that uh, did on the grill. And I actually, normally I just kind of season them a little bit before I put them on. I actually was trying to work ahead. Hey, Dad, you'd have been proud of me preparing, doing it work in advance. Mm -hmm. So I did it the night before. Good man. Uh, Just just basic stuff. I mean, sea salt, um. Lowry's, Tony C's, and some Worcestershire. Left them in the refrigerator overnight, put them on the grill, sliced that up into kind of medallions. I don't know if the people that were at our house had never had steak before, and they were like, oh, what is this delicacy? Um, I, this is not me bragging. Like, I'm, I'm a critic of, of my own. Fa- I never even got a piece. Not one. I did not get one bite. I had Sister Schubert's rolls, sausage and cheese, uh, uh, pickles, and the steak all out as like an appetizer tray. And I went back to grab a bite of steak. It was gone. I was like, well, I guess you enjoyed it. <laughs> I hope it was wonderful. But everybody seemed to uh, seemed to like it. So good stuff all the way around. Uh, and there was also no sausage left. All right, let's go. Uh, let's go to the ceasefire text line, 601-879-4395. Debbie in Ocean Springs appears to be crushing it as always. Is all of this from today? Are the oysters today, or is that is that from last week? Well, I think that's from that's go- from this week. That's, she just sent garlic those in. Butter, 
and Parmesan cheese oysters and Bienville oysters. She said she made a surprise for everyone there. She said, uh, gu- oh, a gumbo loaded with Polk's Cajun sausage and crab shrimp and, uh, shrimp and chicken. Have mercy. And also she fried a turkey and had ham and sides, too. We need to be better friends with Debbie and Ocean Springs. Can we get oh, a can uh, we get one of our coast sales representatives to sell a remote at her house? Maybe we should pay her to go to her house. Yeah, uh, Cody says just, he is yeah. having a fillet of victory. Well done, hotty toddy. He says. I hope the well done is not how he's cooking the steak. Well done. Uh, we have a former I think, I think president that, like, that eats his steak well done. Yeah, I, I think Cody was more like I'm having a fillet of victory. Well done, boys. Well, I hope you're right. Cody, let us know on that. Choosing to. Uh, um, yeah. You get a message that says, make sure that the strawberry salad has a pretzel crust. Yeah, that's good. Hey, right, okay. Uh, Mike, got you a job well of, done. Good. Very good. Uh, got a couple of balls of Edam cheese in Starkville yesterday. Said he smoked one earlier today. He's grilling some Polk's garlic and green onion sausage later to go with it. You missed Nothing that when you it. didn't come to Starkville, you two guys. Dr. Keenan brought me an MSU cheese sampler. Didn't bring y'all Did one because you weren't there. Yeah. Did he? Yeah. You know, I'm disappointed. Yeah. Well. yeah no doubt. No doubt. Somebody's got a backstrap on the grill this afternoon. Uh, family came to North Carolina to visit this year, and I smoked my first turkey and ham. That's from Will in Eupora. Will? That looks great. That looks fantastic. Exceptionally well done. Exceptionally well done. That's a Food Friday presented by Polks, polksmeat.com. No buts about it, folks. Picky people pick Polks. It's time to get real. Real sports talk for Mississippi. It's time for you to get real with it. Sports talk Mississippi continues on Super Talk Mississippi. Richard's workday ends a half an hour before everybody else's, apparently, so it's Borky and Haydad with you for the rest of the way. 41-0 is the current score of the Missouri-Arkansas game. Missouri is leading 41 to nothing, and there's 17 minutes still to play in the game. And... Hey, Dad, what people are you know, pointing out is Juracek did not give Sam Pittman a vote of confidence. He straight up said, no. I informed the team that Sam Pittman will be coaching them in 2024. Correct. They were excited to hear it, according to Hunter Juracek. Uh, let me fix my camera. Goodness gracious. What's going on there? There we go. That's, that's better. Yeah. No, it's not better. Hold on. We're almost there. We're almost there. There, there we is. go. We're good. Yeah. We're good. Much better. Um... Foolishness. Never never say anything until it's all done. Votes of confidence are like the worst thing ever. You you should never agree to anything until you know all of the information. With a game left against the top team. He's on the verge of... What we talked about earlier with with the 2008 Egg Bowl. I mean, if they they put a couple more points on the board... And I was going to tell you, like... 
I don't think Drinkwitz, Drinkwitz strikes me as the kind of guy who uh, doesn't he, he don't give a crap about anything, man. And he'll 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 put fifty on you. He oh, doesn't yeah. care. He's already had a player tossed out of the game, so what the heck? Let's go. Let's make him as bad. Drinkwitz doesn't mind playing the heel. So yeah, he'll. This game is not over yet. No. So, circling back to the Egg Bowl last night, because we will quickly turn the page forward. I mean, look, we we talked about it some today. There's very little, frankly, to take away from this game, though, right? Hey, Dad, it's all big picture stuff. It's is there anything? Micro, like about the game itself from the Mississippi State perspective that we can take away, honestly? From the Mississippi State perspective, no, because, you know, everything will be different the next yeah. time this team hits the field, be it in a bowl game or, or, or next season. Um, I will say that, and I said this on the podcast, I, I have never seen an offensive coach worse at his job than Kevin Barbe. Absolutely a bill of goods sold to the Mississippi State fan based on what this guy's offense was going to be. Everything that man said about what he wanted to do, he didn't do. There was no vertical passing game. There was no getting your best 11 on the field. There was no, there was none of that. So that's one thing. From the other side of it, though, I'll tell you what I took away from it in that, and I already kind of knew this, but seeing it again, there's not a lot of tougher college football players than Jackson Dart. No. That guy's tougher than a nickel steak. He is. He he is not somebody. He's not coming off the field unless you know he, he physically cannot be on the field any longer. And it looked like uh, because we we haven't given him his due today because uh, it, it looked like for a moment that he was done playing. Uh, how he was able to get back on the field to play later is uh, is wild. And after the game, clearly, I mean, he's he's okay. He didn't look okay in that moment, but. I mean, his yeah. left shoulder is already so, – so that play is a, a pretty good encapsulation of, of who Jackson Dart, the football player, is. His shoulder was in such pain four days ago that he couldn't strap his helmet with his left arm. He, was, he couldn't mm. hand the ball off with his left hand. He was handing the ball off when he, w- when he would turn to his right, hand the ball off, he was still handing it off with his right hand. That's how much pain mm. he was in. Clearly was in that pain last night and still in the second half of a game lowered his shoulder to try to get a first down knowing that whatever's coming is going to hurt like you know what. And so earlier I mentioned it, but we kind of got off and I had the thought myself is, you know, at what point is he too hurt to continue to play? And I, I, you can't take that dude out of a game. You can't do it. You can't, quote, go to Sanders. Number one, Dart's better at protecting the football over his career than Sanders is based on the numbers anyway, and, and that was a big key last night. But th- that dude is a heartbeat of a football team. And I know that's kind of cliche, but he is. He is the yeah. the emotional leader of that team, and you can see it how they respond to him when he's on the field. He had a bad night throwing the football last night for for, for whatever that's mm-hmm. worth, but taking him out of that game would have been a massive mistake. So to so the few people calling for that, well, if he's so hurt, why is he playing? Because you saw how the team responded to him when he did. And you, you can't replicate that with somebody else. You've just got to ride with it, even if he was, I mean, hell, was he even less than 50% last night? You just you, you can't disrupt that. He is far more to that team than just their quarterback, and, and he showed it last night. 
100%. And now Ole Miss, you know, he has time to recuperate before a bowl game. He has time to get himself as healthy as you can in, you know, I guess just over, you know, a month plus, a month and a week. You got to figure that Ole Miss will be involved in a game around New Year's Day. So, plenty of time to get yourself healthy and, and send out this season on the right note if you're Ole Miss. And get this message. He played because he had an irresponsible coach who let him. Go with that. Whatever helps you sleep tonight. Uh, 601-879-4395 is, uh, is the text line. I mean, if that makes you feel better, uh, then say that. Sure. Uh, Ole Miss goes 10-2. 28 regular season wins in three years. I mean, it, mm-hmm. We've said it for weeks now, but it, it actually has, has come to fruition. Uh, th- there was this talking point going into the Georgia game from people like the aforementioned Barrett Salee, who I really like that you know Lane Kiffin can't win big games. When you win 28 right. regular season games at Ole Miss in three years, you can win big games. Just because it's not Alabama or... And what I hated about that take was the standard in which you are measuring Ole Miss compared to that of an Alabama. Big games are different in Oxford than they are in Athens. Two different standards yeah. of what, what constitutes a, a big game. You don't win 28 in, th- in three years without a bunch of big wins mixed in there. I always found that bizarre. The job that he's done over the last three years, even with the debacle that was the end of last season, is pretty remarkable. Well, it's just they're the you know they're, we, we Mullen was like this right. He, Mullen won the games he wasn't supposed to win, or he was supposed to win, and didn't win the games he wasn't right. At, at Ole Miss, I mean, even last year at eight and five is a a decent season at Ole Miss. Now he's had ten, he's had ten and three, and now he's at ten and two, and we'll see if he can get to eleven and two. But even if he loses the bowl game, he finishes ten and three. Those are special seasons at Ole Miss. So yeah, you know. Can he not beat Alabama? No, right now, no. But Alabama has lost how many games in the last decade? Ten? In ten years, maybe? Yeah. Like, it's not a shame to be able to not beat them. You know, he's he's been he's he's been competitive with them in a couple of games. It, it it's a process. He he's he's five he's four years in now, and he's got this team you know as a potential playoff contender. There's there's no there's there's no reason to judge Lane Kiffin as anything but a massive success through this time at, at Ole Miss. Yeah, uh, in the last three years, two wins over LSU, two over Auburn, two over Arkansas, three over A and M, two over Mississippi State. Uh, for what it's worth, beat Tennessee and Knoxville and beat Kentucky as well from the East. Obviously, hasn't lost to Vanderbilt, but but hadn't beaten Alabama and lost to Georgia in there. I mean, it, it it's a heck of a run and. Uh, College football is changing a lot. I mean, rosters change and stuff like that, but it does feel like continuity is going to be something that we'll be able to talk about with this Ole Miss team, for the most part, going into next year, which is weird to say considering what the strategy has uh, has been uh, so far. On the flip side, going to be very little continuity at, at Mississippi State. and I mean, that's kind of what you yeah, expect the with the coaching change and, and the roster construction, what it was with, with the veterans on it. We're going to be looking at a very different football team next year. For for better or for yeah. worse, it's going to definitely be different. Yeah, I you know probably a little bit of, of of they'll probably keep a couple of guys. If I had to guess, 
you know, you'd like to keep some continuity, keep some contacts with the current recruiting class. A guy like Chad Bumpus has a chance to, to maybe remain, especially being an alum. A guy like David Turner, who you know has that track record of, of bringing in top guys and coaching them up, probably has a chance to remain. But yeah, going to be a lot of new faces here in Starkville from the top down. And that's happening in the athletic department as well, as Zach Selman comes in and sort of makes molds this department to what he wants to see. We're seeing new faces all the time here in Starkville. You know, when I when Selman was hired, I said state needed change. They needed new ideas and new new innovation. And this is this is part of that process now, is 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 what what's going on. And so Zach Selman is this is his first big hire, and uh, you know he's going to be very hungry to get it right. And the new coach is going to come in very hungry to prove that he was right. There, there's. Uh... There's something I want to ask you about it with Mississippi State and when it comes to investment, because from the jump of the search, we've talked about how you know coaching salary has got to increase. It's got to be more. It will be more, and allocation of resources at, at Mississippi State. So we'll talk about that when we come back. Uh, real quick, we did the, get this message. Why not give Dart a break throughout a game and play Sanders more? Nothing against him, but you have a fantastic backup who can give your starter a breather. Who does that, though? Does anybody just kind of switch quarterbacks for the heck of it for a break? No, you get a break when the defense is on the field. That's, that's just not a, a typical thing, and, and when you don't have to do it, there's no reason to do it. 6018794395 is the text line. We'll be back. More Sports Talk Mississippi now. now. It's rivalry weekend starting yesterday of course but the big one tomorrow Ohio State Michigan by the way kicks off at 11 you can wake up have some leftovers and uh, watch America's team the Buckeyes somehow try to take down the cheaters in Michigan that'll be fun I'm Borky he's hey dad so there's been a lot of talk about Mississippi State specifically Zach Selman wanting to change the investment into football at Mississippi State. And by change, I mean increase. That's the only change you can make, of, of course. So uh, w- from talking to people around this coaching search, what have you heard on that front in terms of finances and football and the importance of that and money and the stuff that makes football go? Well, they'd like more of it. Wouldn't we all? I, I... <laughs> I've heard that Zach Selman wants to really, really invest into football more so than has been done in the past at Mississippi State. You know, I feel like uh, previous, how to put this politely, the previous administration had an affinity for other sports that may have taken some precedent that, that it shouldn't have over football. Football is, is what makes everything go at every university. You know, every every nice thing your university has comes as a result of its football program for the most part. So Zach Selman knows that. He's no dummy. So he uh, is going, you know, I, I have been told that he's going to, you know, going forward Mississippi State is going to have a much greater investment in football than it has had in, in years past, which it has to have at this at this junction, at this juncture of uh, of, of its history of the well, what's going on in the SEC. This is no time to be behind. Because we have this conversation a lot when it comes to, 
you know, we've had it around women's basketball when they were on their their big run. And now the team's really good again and stuff like that. But we're talking when they were going to Final Fours and stuff and, and baseball. And there's a difference between what a individual fan like would prefer or want and what the school would prefer or want. Because we get that all the time. I would much rather win a championship in baseball than go 9-3 and three in football. Because the, the baseball is a championship. Right. The school... Right. The administration would turn that around. Would absolutely turn that around. Yeah, yeah. I, I, to be this, I, this is true. Even at schools like LSU, Mississippi State, Ole Miss, schools that cherish and value baseball. If you said right now, you guys can be a consistent nine, ten win a, a year program with every five or six years you challenge, especially in the college football playoff era, ten wins in the SEC, you're in. You're probably in the playoff, right? So if I said every year you can be that way, but your baseball programs will become uncompetitive. You know, Selman, Carter, uh, Woodward, they, they 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 can't get that paper signed fast enough. They'd sign it in their own blood if they could. And that's just the way it is. That applies to basketball, too. I mean, fans, it does. fans yeah, around here would to a lesser rather degree. go to Omaha than the, win yeah. one NCAA tournament game, but the school would yeah. rather go to the tournament and win yeah. a game you than make, go to you, Omaha. Because you make money. Yep. You know, now State and Ole Miss make some money on baseball some years. I don't think I think the last couple of years State has been unprofitable. But I could be wrong on that, but I believe you know men's basketball is profitable in, in, in both universities. Women's basketball is not is not profitable at either university. So even when State was playing for the national title, they were losing money on those deals. Seven and figures. That's why sometimes you have money. to make you know, yeah, you know, and that's why it, it's tough. It's tough. You got to make hard decisions sometimes. Yeah. And that's the unfortunate. I don't know that reality, I would have made the hard decision that they made, but that being said, uh, but but that is interesting to hear that 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 Zach Selman has come in and and realized that there might be some overinvestment, and that needs to be allocated to football. That that, that is interesting. Mm-hmm. Hadn't always been that way, as you yeah. said. Yeah, it has not always been that way. So it's it, it's it's very pleasant to see. Will we know by 3 o'clock Monday who Mississippi State's next head football coach is? No, not think we know. I mean, full-on announcement, press release, 3 o'clock Monday. Will we know? I wouldn't say it's 50-50, but I would say there's a good percentage chance that there's a yes on that. Maybe like 30, 30, 35%. Okay. I like that. You know, we, 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 it's, 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 it's plausible. I wouldn't say it's probable. We can milk another day out of coaching search. I wouldn't oh, yeah. that. Yeah. I'll get two podcasts out of it, yeah. for sure. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, the download numbers on that. We Are don't, they we don't, closing we don't in? need is If they announce it on Tuesday, I'm, I'm going to be on the road. That's not good, because I'll be coming down to Jackson for the Connerly. Oh, that's right. So we, we, need it on, we need it. Zach Selman, if you're listening, Monday or Wednesday? Tuesday, no good. No good for me, Tuesday. No good for you. You'll be at the Connerly, too. You don't want to have to deal with that. 601-879-4395 was the tax line, but guess what? We're not going to read them anymore because the show is over. I hope you guys had a happy Thanksgiving if you're doing things uh, over the weekend. Uh, be safe. Enjoy that. Enjoy your family. Enjoy your football, for sure. And uh, maybe we'll be ta- we will be talking about a uh, new coach on Monday. We'll have to see. For Richard and hey Dad, I'm Borky. Have a great weekend, everybody. Thank you so much for tuning in, and we'll see you Monday at 3. Good night.
Mississippi Media Production.